As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. That's right. This is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. I am your host for today, talking about your whew, Toronto Blue Jays. Not uh, an ideal couple days in Blue Jays land. Typically, we record this podcast, I do, with my co host, Caitlin McGrath. And when we last spoke, we the Blue Jays were looking ahead to a two-game series against the kind of floundering Washington Nationals. Here we are a couple days later. George Springer is on the injured list. The Blue Jays lost two consecutive games to those lowly Washington Nationals. They are, depending on the outcome of whatever Seattle did, Seattle Mariners, they could be in fourth place in the wild card standings. They are looking up at the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. Still, in the American League East, it is a little dire in Blue Jays land. If you want to learn more about what's going on in Blue Jays land, I would recommend that you subscribe to The Athletic. You can read what Caitlin has written as she tries to put the pieces together of this uh, really unfortunate and ill-timed slide in the Toronto Blue Jays season. So you should go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. Athletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe to The Athletic. They'll give you a tidy discount. You sign up for the whole year and you let the bosses know that you listen to this show, which means a lot. To us and to me, to keep us uh, going and churning these out because we do do them twice a week. We do one with Caitlin at the end of the weekend, usually on Sunday, sometimes on Monday, and then here in the middle of the week we talk to a guest about all kinds of stuff. If you want to subscribe to the show to get it twice a week, you can do that at uh, wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever. Give us a subscription or a thumbs up or whatever it is. Give us a like, review if you can mean a lot. Feed the algorithm. Let people know about the work that we're trying to do here. We're having a good time here in the first season of Spin Rate. It is my pleasure this week. So the Blue Jays had a soft schedule, and the schedule is getting significantly less soft as they look ahead beyond this weekend series to a, uh, a series next week, in the early days of next week, against the first place Chicago White Sox. White Sox 
Blue Jays, a lot of some similarities, I think, in the way that they built their core, the way they've supplemented and augmented that core from the outside, externally with trades with money. White Sox are in first place, Blue Jays are in fourth, but I don't think the gulf between the two teams is quite so wide. Just like Chicago and Toronto have their own similarities, I thought it would be great to talk about the White Sox and also some other stuff with my good friend Kevin Kaduck. You used to read him on Yahoo Sports for many, many years. And now you can read him as he writes the Midway Minute newsletter every single day about all things Chicago sports. White Sox, Cubs, Bulls, Sky, Bears. So Bears, oh God, he'll kill me if I leave the Bears out. Uh, uh, Blackhawks, I don't think he should write about them for a while. Uh, Everything. Fire, Chicago Fire, college sports. It's great. I read it every day. And as I say in, in, uh, in our discussion... I don't know. I don't know Chicago from anything. Read it every day. It's a great format. He's a great writer. He's a good dude. So he, Kevin Kaduck, and I are going to talk about the Chicago White Sox. We're going to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to talk a little bit about the Chicago Cubs as well. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy this latest edition of Spin Rate. Kevin, how are you? What's going on, Drew? It's uh, yeah. We were just talking about it. We've been at this. For 13, 14, 15 years now, which is absolute eons on the internet, but uh, we still do it. We still do it, and uh, it it has changed, and we have changed, and uh, we were talking, you and I met in person uh, in Pittsburgh, <laughs> Pennsylvania, at a, what was actually quite an eventful Pirates-Rockies game that right. featured a, many, many things. It featured a George Thorogood concert, <laughs> and it also featured a Pedro Alvarez walk-off home run, which... Uh, is the second most memorable thing about that baseball game. It was a sold out game at PNC park, which was memorable because the, the pirates were kind of resurrected, resurrecting themselves yet. I don't think they were fully resurrected into whatever they were in the early part of that decade. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was a Saturday night. It was sold out. And somehow I left my tickets back in Chicago. Uh, I don't know if you remember. This. I don't remember that. Oh my God. And so it was me and Dave Brown of, of big league stew and Yahoo sports. And we had no idea how we were going to get in because the game was sold out and we had already paid for these tickets and feel like paying a scalper scalper prices for more. So we actually called our boss at Yahoo sports and we're like, you need to put in a credential request for us just to get us through the door. <laughs> at that point, we'd already been drinking, you know, by PNC Park with, with you guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're completely, you know, half in the bag. And we checked in with our, our press credentials. We're walking in the bowels of the stadium with the players. And I, I forgot who the Pirates were playing. But um, I remember, like, seeing, you know, and we were just, like, kind of walking. And then we had to, like, find the, our way up to uh, up to the stands. And it was, like, this kind of thing where we were drunk in Pittsburgh Probably, I mean, probably an unethical move to do that, but uh, ended up working out. It was the it was the 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 wild west days of the internet. It didn't matter yeah. that they were like, "Oh, here are the drunk internet guys." That's just what <laughs> uh, what they did. That's I, I don't I did not remember that. I, that was great. You remember Dave Brown falling down uh, at the bar, like down some steps. He wasn't drunk. He just completely missed. Was that game. before the game? That was before the game. And I think I remember that. I remember. I remember Meech, uh, Mike of the Fightins, drove from Pittsburgh from Philadelphia in his minivan and like loaded it up with people and like was like picking people up on the way. I remember that. We had a great time. And, yeah. and I and that's I've been to two games at PNC and I've seen two different walk off home runs. Nice. Yeah, the last time I went, Starling Marte had a walk off home run while my wife and kids were like buying shirts. They like left in the tenth inning, and we were there. We were there cheering for the Giants, and so it was like two thousand and the Giants won the World Series that year. It was two thousand. No, okay, 
Did they? No, was, they didn't. It was 2015, so they had just won. They had just won the World Series. It was full of Giants fans. PNC okay. was full of Giants fans. But we're not here to talk about that. We aren't even really going to talk. We'll talk about the Blue Jays. We're going to talk about the Blue Jays' spiritual cousins. I think is how I maybe would describe it. Okay. Uh, and speaking of the old Wild West of the internet, there was a, a guy named Andrew Riley who used to write a, run a great White Sox blog back in the day, and we we wrote like posts on our on our blogs and when you did those sorts of things, mm-hmm. and we were, we talked about how similar Chicago, a how similar Chicago and Toronto are, and I think that in a lot of ways the White Sox and the Blue Jays have kind of had similarly mirrored experiences. You know, the 1993 American League Championship <laughs> Series, notwithstanding. But now I feel like the White Sox are in a similar place to the Blue Jays. The White Sox have a ton of talent. Of course, the White Sox are in first place. Mm-hmm. They have overcome a lot this year. But what do you think about the way, the way this White Sox team has sort of come together? I don't know if it's like been a, a quick rebuild, but it just they were there has been an infusion of talent to me, and now they're in a great place. It feels like. Yeah, I, I like the the fact that you make that comparison because it it, it it seems to like both fan bases have have waited so long for this because the last decade or decade and a half were have been such a downtime. You know, I think mm-hmm. the Blue Jays actually had more success than than the uh, than the White Sox did in terms of playoff at least appearances. Um, yeah, it's obviously they hit the wall in 2016, and Jerry Reinsdorf and Kenny Williams finally gave Rick Hahn the green card to, to the green light to really go ahead with the rebuild. And, mm-hmm. and they, they turned Chris sale into Yon Mankata and uh, Michael Kopech. Uh, they obviously performed the heist of the century trading uh, Jose Quintana and a couple of years of t- team control for Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease. Um, and, Jose Abreu has been, you know, their rock and kind of the underrated superstar all along. And um, the Lance Lynn trade this offseason has just worked out crazy. Carlos Rodon has somehow been a phoenix in that rotation. And right now they're in a situation where, yeah, they they look like World Series contenders. But the weird part of it is, is that they're in this, you know, tissue soft division where they really can't prove themselves. And they're just stacking up W's that, don't seem to have a lot of weight to them. Um, so right now they're in the middle of actually kind of a two week p- period where it's like, we're really going to see what they are. Mm-hmm. That started off with the field, the dreams series with the Yankees, which one game in Iowa. And then, then they lost the uh, two games in Chicago, but now they just won three, four against Oakland. They're going to go play a three game series. Uh, in Tampa this week, which will I think will be a really big measuring stick for them. And then obviously they come up your way, I think for three or four against Toronto. I think it's four. It sounds about right. Usually one is four and one is three, but uh, yeah, it's the, the the amount of talent on the team is 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 obvious, right? And, and but they, they also. I think that your point about having the paper soft uh, division is is something that's a, maybe where the similarities end uh, with the Blue Jays, as the Blue Jays are, of course, in fourth place. Who I, I think that what are they seven or eight games over five hundred still? You know, yeah. the, we've we've worn out the term run differential uh, here in Toronto this year, but uh, <laughs> but I think that the 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 White Sox have have been even that much more aggressive i think in in terms of the moves they made you mentioned lance lynn um and then here even at the at the trade deadline uh you know at the end of july where they 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 didn't deal necessarily from a position of strength other than trading nick madrigal but by bolstering an already strong bullpen that to me is a signal that they are 
they are very serious about 2021 and 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 2022 will take well, they'll worry about that when it comes see what i think is funny about the, that though is i think a lot of people on the south side of chicago looked at what the blue jays did over the off season where they went out and got George Springer, you know, obviously that didn't turn out that great, but they went out and got Marcus Simeon. Those were two really positions that the Sox needed to address mm. in last off season. And they didn't, I mean, their, their big signing in position player wise was, was Adam Eaton. And that did not turn out well at all. He is playing uh, for the angels these days. So that's, that's the, 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 the all, like there's no worse thing you can say yeah. about a person. If they're not, if their name is not Shohei Otani, that they're playing for the angels right now. Right. But what the amazing thing is, is not only did they really overcome that oversight in the, in the off season, you know, then they had to get through the Eloy Jimenez injury, the, the uh, you know, Luis Robert injuries and Tony Rusa for as much guff and grief as he got over the first half of the season has somehow gotten these performances out of guys like Brian Goodwin and uh, and Billy Hamilton and, and a couple of AAA All-Stars. It's been really kind of crazy to watch. Uh, watch him at work for being a 76-year-old manager who is supposedly supposed to be completely out of it. And I, you look, I mean, you, you read Midway Minute, you know that I wasn't a fan of it from the start, but um, he's kind of, I, I don't want to say silence the critics, but he's, he's certainly answered them in some way. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think that uh, the Blue Jays have a, a different but similar problem with not problem. The the view of the of the manager's role is skewed, and I think that when the when you're a team like the Blue Jays that has lo- have lost a lot of close games, mm-hmm. have had some questions about the way they manage their bullpen, fingers start to point at the, at the okay. manager. So I know that you know reading what you've written about the White Sox over the season, especially the very early the early going, and then the whole thing with uh, with your mean Mercedes, and <laughs> it, there was a lot of there were a lot of questions about Larusa, but when the team starts winning and the team's cruising in first place, a lot of that stuff kind of goes away. And I think that he's still to me, and I'd love to hear what you think. He seems like the guy who still might step in it sometimes in terms of saying things that are, that are a little bit out of line or a little bit out of pocket for 2021 baseball, but the team is winning and, and the, the roster is, is, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's been LaRusa proof, but there's a lot of talent in the bullpen and and on the field that, might minimize the, his ability, his desire to like tinker and, and mess around in the margins. Well, I, I think the big, the biggest thing that helps him out is that's a rotation that just turns out quality start after quality start. And, um, 
you know, when you got guys going five, six innings and now you're handing it off to a three-headed monster, the ponytail gang, as they call it, Michael Kopech, Craig Kimbrell, and uh, Liam Hendricks, <laughs> that's not a lot of uh, not a lot of maneuvering you have to do. He's, he's not double switching here in the AL too much. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the main concern lately has been about his kind of inability to spot where a challenge should uh, be kind of issued. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of hurt them over the weekend. Uh, against the Yankees, there was a couple spots where it looked like had he thrown the flag or whatever, it would have um, uh, resulted in a favorable outcome for the White Sox. So now it's kind of like, all right, who's going to, in a high-pressure situation game in the playoffs, who's going to be in charge of that? I think people are talking about that. But I think overall, he's kind of just righted that ship. And and there there could have been some spots where I think things could have went, went south for them, but but they haven't. And and now they're sitting here, you know, 40, 45 games out from the playoffs and uh, and they're at a position to just kind of fine tune things and, and see what they like. And the the back end of the uh, the bullpen is, is interesting because you've got two guys and Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks, who have been two of the best closers in the game over the last you know five, six years. Um, like who, you know, who goes for them? They, they say there's not going to be any drama. Well, there might not be any drama, but it's like, who do you want? you know, getting those high leverage outs wherever they may, they may happen. Uh, I think they're really going to have to figure that out over the next month and a half. It's good. I think from a, if you're a White Sox fan, because both those guys are, have already been paid. So I, I, I it yeah. seems like they're maybe not like I need to get my saves. So then when I get to arbitration, when I get the free agency, it's like, you know, I'm rich. Like I, if I'm Liam Hendricks, <laughs> I, this, this was my contract. So it, it also yeah, yeah. just, as you described that, that, that bull, that bullpen and what they, how they, they, they operate with Hendricks and, and Kimbrell and Kopech, my gosh, throwing mm-hmm. so hard. That is, that has been the nightmare for the Blue Jays is that was kind of relievers because the Blue Jays are so right-handed and so free swinging. I, it's definitely something to watch, something that Blue Jays fans, especially like the kind of folks who would listen to a show like this are more attuned to. There's their, sure. their performance late in games has been so poor and this is a really bad matchup, I think, from for for mm-hmm. the Blue Jays. So it'll, that's something that's really Blue Jays fans will want to keep their eye on is a how they fare in that in that bullpen, and b just how different it is than the one the Blue Jays throw out there, which is guys with funky angles and guys that throw tons of changeups and, and yeah. Brad Hand and stuff like that. But you know the the we are obviously saying that twenty twenty one is all in, but this is I, I think a team also the White Sox that have a really bright future as well. Yeah, no question. I mean, you look at really, and you go through who they have under team control and the prices that they have them at. It's just really crazy. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, you, got, I don't know if you guys recognize that um, Fernando Tatis Jr. used to be a White Sox. Like, he he was traded in as as part of the uh, um, James Shields trade mm-hmm. in 2016, which was like the the last grasp. And if you think if Fernando Tatis Jr. could be in that lineup somehow with them. It'd just be absolutely amazing, um, but that you know, even with without him, even without losing him, you've got Luis Robert, you know, through the midpoint of the decade, Yon Moncada on a really team-friendly deal, Jose Abreu, you know, he'd probably come back for league minimum if Jerry Reinsdorf <laughs> wanted to. Him. Mm-hmm. That's how loyal he is to this franchise and how much he wants to win a championship here. Uh, it, it's pretty crazy. It, you know, they don't have a lot of top end talent left in the minor leagues. If you, if you look at the the prospect list, it's, mm-hmm. it's been kind of, um, you know, it's been drained. They're, they're at where the Cubs were um, probably in 2018 or 2019. So, 
it's really imperative, you know, if they don't win it this year, you really have to strike in the, in the next, you know, two or three years, because as we've seen with the Cubs, that window closes awfully quick. Uh, Kevin Kaduk of uh, Midway Minute doing my job for me, which is bringing us to the, to the <laughs> Cubs. Segue. So yeah, I, yeah. now you, you cover both teams, but you are a self-identified Cubs fan, I think is not uh, unfair to say. I leave a little bit more socks. But really? Yeah, I, I, it's weird. I saw I die hard with with the Bears mm-hmm. and the Bucks. Uh, baseball was my job, so I don't quite as die hard with it. I grew up watching both teams because it was really easy back in the day before the Cubs moved to the night. Mm-hmm. I'd watch Cubs during the day and the Sox at night. Uh, it's weird. It's it's kind of a weird place for me to be because so many people in this town identify so hard one way or the other mm. and to the point of like hatred <laughs> which i just hate because there's so many things on the, this side of the border that we can hate each other over <laughs> and to hate each other baseball is weird so um yeah i don't know i, I guess that's a weird question I, this would probably be better for uh for my my, my uh, psychiatrist or something <laughs> yeah that's you know that's it's, fair it's weird you know yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, you wrote well. You wrote a book. To, you wrote a book. I did write a book. Yeah, so I ca- I came back and wrote a, a book about a summer in Wrigley Field, uh, the same year that the, the Sox won the World Series in two thousand five. So, it yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I don't know. It is a. It sounds like you have a. It's an in, in, intractable and and uh, and very close but uh, complicated relationship with Chicago. Well, I see. So I love baseball, right? Mm-hmm. So baseball is my favorite sport. But again, like it's it's just one of those weird things. So um, yeah, the Cubs the Cubs are interesting um, because what they've just gone through, it, I don't think anyone saw it coming in 2016 or 2017, and really when they went through this whole teardown and rebuild. Um, in 2011, 2012, it was like, we're never going to have to do this again. And they're doing it again, 10 years later. And it's like, how did this happen? I, I don't think a team with the resources of the Chicago Cubs should have to go through something like this. It is the, they are a cautionary tale, but also it's a cautionary tale to use as a cautionary tale because they won the World Series. They won the World Series in 2016. So it's hard, it's hard to go too too hard on the this was yeah. a this was a a, a fizzled or a, a failure in terms of an experiment but you make a great point which is the cubs were they they did an uncubsy thing in that they were so truly bad for those few mm-hmm. years and then it started to build and then you know i remember in chris bryant's first game right they game chris bryant service time chris bryant comes to the plate you know standing ovation first game uh, as, as a guy who's you know not necessarily like a chicago guy but that homegrown yeah. talent that just like irresistible unbelievable you know can't miss prospect he's he joins rizzo he joins you know then then javi bias comes along and then you you've just got this incredible team that mm-hmm. achieved this goal but at the same time and for if for Cubs fans or people that cover the Cubs, it has to feel like a bit of a disappointment. A to end so terribly yeah. is now they're playing. What did you write today? They're they're winning like twenty eight percent of their games or something like that. They have like a two eighty nine winning percentage since they traded everybody. Yeah, don't, don't give them that much credit. Two seventeen. Two seventeen is the terrible. Last 40, last forty six games. Um, although they're on a two game winning streak as we tape this, so break them up. It's all short. Um, yeah, look. I, I think a lot of people say it was a failure because they didn't win more than one world series. Something that I just kind of, when people say that, I just don't think people recognize how hard it is to 
win a World Series championship uh, with the way the playoffs are set up now. Um, this isn't the NBA where it's two or three or four title contenders a year. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we could talk about this, but I, I think what the, what the failure is is that you were not not able to take that core of talent that you had. You were not able to supposedly take this amazing front office that you were building up, and and that was a front office that was very deficient in resources, uh, both in terms of money and manpower before Theo Epstein got there. So you built that up and you supposedly built this Cubs way. And then you, you identified these amazing players who were just, uh, you know, people of virtue and, you know, we're never going to let you down and blah, blah, blah. So you had those guys and then somehow it just ends on a Friday in July in 2021, where literally everyone gets traded in the span of an hour hour like anyone that meant anything to that to that fan base and look like i'm not saying you you it's a great idea to go out and write 500 million dollars worth of checks to sign anthony rizzo and chris bryan and have a bias early but at least figure out a plan why weren't any of those players at least not locked up to little team friendlier deals early um why isn't there anyone behind those guys if that was your plan that you needed to go cheap and 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 you know save the Ricketts family some dollars or they try to get under this debt that they incurred to to rebuild Wrigleyville I just don't understand like there was not really any long-term planning here it it's it's like that harsh reality I think too yeah because none none, none of those guys the only one that's still around is Jason Hayward <laughs> who nobody wants to be around, unfortunately, because his his contract hasn't worked out. I mean, obviously, he was a he was a key defensive piece of of the World Series right. winning team, but but in like there's n- nothing. If you were cheering for the team and you want them to win, you mm-hmm. would love to see you, you want the, them to do the things that are going to make the team win. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, are, is it is it that grim now that they they aren't a, an aging Chris Bryant away from having another good team? Like if Chris Bryant was still in the mix, they they couldn't build around that. There's there's not. I mean, you would think that. And look, Chris Bryant is a Scott Boris guy. That's mm-hmm. been a whole labor you know fight ever since you know he was called up late because um, of the Super Two rules. You know they really mishandled that right for, right from the get go. You know as as opposed to the White Sox who went out and signed Luis Robert. You know to a really team friendly extension right be you know even before he played his first game mm-hmm. um yeah like that that's kind of how you build it should build things now right and that, that, that just hasn't happened so you know they were able to move up their their prospect uh base in the rankings you know as a result of the trade deadline day but it went from like 28 to like you know 16 or 17 you know whatever that's worth so now we're going to see, you know, we're really going to see what Jed Hoyer and, and his crew are made of. Uh, you know, can these guys get coached up? Can you really get the arms that you never, ever developed um, in the last decade under Theo Epstein? I, I don't know if that's possible. I, I don't think this is a, a, a two or three year turnaround. I, I think they're in it for the long haul again. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So as someone who's watched the this Cubs odyssey mm-hmm. uh, who saw the you know the John Lester thing you know so so much so much of the stuff seemed like it worked out so well right off the start they signed the big free agent right. outfielder they signed the left-handed pitcher if you are going to give some advice to Blue Jays fans <laughs> who have a similar <laughs> position to bolster this homegrown core around them what would what would the 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 advice you might give to a Blue Jays fan, it, it, my, my, I know what I would, would say. What would yeah. you say based on the the Cubs experience that you've you've seen? Oh, and find another John Lester. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they got they got John. They got Yenjin Ryu. He's their John Lester. Don't don't be the uh, don't be the Phillies, right? Because like the Phillies don't are, be the Phillies. The never Phillies a bad trying idea. Trying to rebuild. I don't. I don't know. I I, I I look at the Blue Jays and then what they've done, and it, you know it looks like they want to win. I, I like the signings that they have made. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's it's just kind of hard to say. Um, you, so many of these things can go wrong, and like you said, like the Cubs, so many things did go right. Chris Bryant turned out to be your MVP, Rookie of the Year, superstar. You thought you were getting that high in the draft, and Anthony Rizzo. You know, you traded Andrew Kashner for him, and you ended up getting basically the next version of Mister Banks and, and Mister Cubs. So much, so much of the stuff has to go right. So. I, what, what would you say? I just say appreciate it, like enjoy it in okay. the moment, right? I think that there's, which nobody needs to tell Cubs fans to enjoy the first yeah. World Series in 108 years because they did that. But it's all you know. I, I follow a lot, you, you know, people who are Cubs fans and 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 people from Chicago in the area, and it's like they're just so. Like I thought, there would be more. There would be more like shitty. Like it would feel worse. I think to to see Chris <laughs> Bryant trade, to see Anthony Rizzo trade, to see Javi ba- Baez trade in the same day, and yeah. most of them are like whatever. Like they they were kind of like beat down, and like it's just it's been a miserable as this sort of has fizzled out. So I I my my advice to Blue Jays fans, you know, which I could probably count myself among, is just like enjoy mm-hmm. it while it's happening, and and hope, and and if they do win the World Series or. You know, there's no guarantees in this in yeah. this life in this game. So I would say enjoy enjoy what you can and find that, those moments of enjoyment when they we, when they're on if offer. If we were doing this podcast ten years ago and ten, you know, twenty twenty one me shows up on that podcast somehow and like says, "Look, the Cubs are going to win the World Series in in twenty sixteen, and within five years, the manager will no longer be there, the GM will no longer be there, the MVP will no longer be there, the most popular Cub will no longer be there, and people would shrug." Like you would not, you would not have believed it. And no, for sure. The whole like Joe Madden will never buy a drink in this town again. It's like right. you, you ran him out on a rail. <laughs> and, and everyone talked about like the Red Sox. Um, you know, when they won it, would they lose their identity? Um, and they didn't because they were able to pivot and win that next one in 2007, and then add two more within the next you know 10 or 12 years. You know, the Cubs weren't able to do that, and the Cubs mm-hmm. aren't going to do. So the Cubs are left now. Okay, you've lost your identity as the lovable losers. You've got to that goal. 
but it's like, okay, now you're like supposedly this big market team with owners who are now acting small market and you're left with this beautiful ballpark, which they did a great job with the renovations mostly, but now it's $400 to, you know, to get a ticket like mm-hmm. <laughs> behind the dugout or to get a good ticket to a game. It's $120, $130 to watch fr- freaking Frank Schwindel and Greg Dykeman. Like, what are they left with? I don't know. They got Patrick Wisdom. That's all they need. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it again. It is. It is a bit of the 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 the, wor- the warning sign or the, the the troubling case of like the you have to convert your folksy business, folksy baseball club into a modern sports business, and they've right. they achieved that. But with that came some of that. As soon as the maybe the purse gets tightened up, then suddenly it all kind of goes out the window. Yeah. I don't want to keep you too much longer. And we've talked about your, your daily newsletter, uh, the midway minute. I want to give you a minute to describe what it is. Again, I read it every day. I don't (laughs) care about the bulls. I I got, I got Justin Fields posters on my walls now. I don't even know how they got there, but I love it. I want you to tell me a little, tell tell everyone who's listening a little bit, the midway minute. And I want them to tell you about what you did yesterday with, uh, design. Yeah, so Midway Minute um, is a, just kind of a daily digest of Chicago sports in the morning, kind of let off with an opinion or maybe a little longer piece, and then just kind of everything you need to know about Chicago sports for that day. Uh, so like you said, like you don't like Chicago sports, but I have a lot of like non-Chicago readers, which kind of maybe tells me I'm doing something right and producing something entertaining. So um, that's kind of cool. So I started in February 2020. Um, after I left Yahoo Sports and have kind of just been at it every day and, and trying to community build. Um, and then as you alluded to um, yesterday, I was able to take some members of that community using funds raised by our community, um, including yourself. I appreciate you donating, but we went My into pleasure. Chicago's West Side and uh, helped um, move a family who had um, who was transitioning out of homelessness into a new apartment. And uh, it was a three-bedroom, one-bedroom apartment. A family of seven was moving in. And, and basically, went, we went in there. They had sleeping bags and mattresses on the floor. And by the time we left, they had two sets of bunk beds, uh, crib, you know, beds for the mom and, and, and the older daughter. And uh, it was really rewarding. And honestly, I, I think I wrote in the other day's newsletter, like, even if this newsletter never becomes anything more than demented Justin Fields propaganda, at least we all <laughs> have done something nice for at least one family. And so we achieved that yesterday. Yeah, it was great. It was a really cool thing to see, you know, from a distance. And the, the I guess, as you said, the, the newsletter is great. The format is like perfect. And you, there's always like the kind of general interest things at the bottom. And if you were like me and you were <laughs> hyper interested in like accent stuff, Kevin always knows if you put something about an accent in there, I'm going to send him an email you, and reply to about, about the Chicago accent, about any kind of accent I'm a sucker for it. So, uh, Kevin, my friend, this was so much fun. I'm so glad that, uh, that we were able to get this done today. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. Anytime I can uh, come and be your Chicago expert, I will have it. And if anyone wants to sign up for it, it's uh, at midwayminute.win.com was taken for some reason. So it's out there. You can follow Kevin on Twitter at, uh, at Kevin conduct as well. Uh, this is great. And I look forward to the blue Jays and the white Sox series coming up next week. And I hope everyone has a great weekend. And we'll talk to you at the end of the weekend on the next edition of Spinner.